Hi, I'm Lisa. Welcome to Pillontology, the pod about the wild and wonderful world of prescription pill medication. Every epi, I'll feature a pill and talk to a friend, or maybe not a friend, about their experience on that pill. Also a disclaimer, I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist, although sometimes I like to pretend that I am. Hope you enjoy. Today we're talking about Clomip, aka Clomipramine. We're featuring my really dear friend, Slily. Clomip is a tricyclic antidepressant. It's an old school antidepressant, one of the first ones that came out and it's used to treat OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, panic disorder, major depressive disorder, and pain. Okay, so Sally. Hi, Hi. happy to be here on Pillantology. We're happy to have you. Air all my dirty laundry. We wanna know what clomipramine's done to you. And first I'd like to know uh, when you first started any sort of mood-altering drugs. I started taking medication for the first time in 2013. I was living in New York City. I was going through a sad breakup at the time um, and kind of hated my job and was just stressed out from like the Manhattan lifestyle. And that is when I got prescribed nortriptyline, which is another SNRI. And I was on a really small dose. And I stayed on that for like, I don't know, five or six years. And then eventually, you know, I moved to DC, eventually started going to a new psychiatrist in DC. I'd been on the nortriptyline for so long that I had built up some sort of like tolerance or immunity, and it just wasn't working as well. And then he that's when he prescribed me I think initially I was prescribed Cymbalta which is another SNRI and then now I'm on Clomipramin um I did gloss over a little stint I had with a quack doctor when I first moved to DC he prescribed me um Flavoxamine yeah Flavoxamine and that's an SSRI that turned me into an actual zombie we remember yeah yeah, you do remember. Yeah, you we had a pool. You of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, we went to the pool. Well, you weren't really there. You I wasn't there. really there physically, but not emotionally or mentally. So you said you went on nortriptyline originally. What did nortriptyline make you feel? I remember feeling physically a lot healthier. Like, I think when I was living and working in Manhattan and like struggling with my relationship at that time and my roommate and I, a lot of my anxiety manifested physically and I would feel nauseous or sick or like diarrhea and nortriptyline within like a matter of days erased all of that, like corrected all of my issues with nausea and diarrhea and I felt like physically a lot stronger. Um, and then that made like going out and having drinks a lot easier. Like my stomach wasn't as sensitive to alcohol and beer and food in the way that it was when I wasn't taking anything. So I don't know if I felt like my brain was overall less anxious, but physically, I mean, I guess it must've been, but physically I felt a lot stronger. Well, it's interesting because those 
uh, tricyclic antidepressants are used for IBS, specifically for IBS with diarrhea. And I think that is really cool that you at least got a glimpse of what it's like to have a normal life. It was a really sweet little time. It actually, it wasn't, it wasn't, because I was still pretty depressed. But it was sort of a relief that even though I was depressed, I was trying to figure out my life and get a new job and move on from my first serious relationship. Um, It was a relief not to have to, like, worry about nausea and diarrhea on top of that. But I, yeah, I, I think I felt really physically healthy and normal for, like, a couple years. And that was a sweet little run, even though I was still sort of depressed. Um, but yeah, constipation is definitely a side effect of an S- of SNRIs in general, along with dry mouth. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it had a constipating effect, but it didn't make me constipated. It made me normal. Okay, so then you moved here. I was a normal were, girl. You were a normal girl <laughs> for how many years? You were a normal girl for a little bit. Yeah, on and off. I'll dabble with with life as a normal girl. I can't dabble. Yeah. It's not always for me. No, it's eventually. never for me. <laughs> eventually, I'll return to my baseline. Cool. Yeah. When we met, were you a normal girl? Uh, that was probably the most normal I've ever been when we first met in college. And we still became friends. Yeah. I guess I always had a little bit of, like, you a flair for freaks. You dabbled with the freaks. Yeah. But you kind of fooled me. I guess I thought you seemed kind of normal, too. I have a good facade. Yeah. Okay, so then you came to D.C., and you were on nortriptyline for a couple years, but then you went on Cymbalta for a year. Mm -hmm. Can you run me back to that time? Yes. I love to start taking new drugs after breakups. So the Cymbalta was after my boyfriend at the time broke up with me and I sort of felt like, okay, what does anyone do after a breakup? They like try to work on themselves and go on drugs, go on drugs, try to make yourself a better, be it, become the better version of yourself. And so I decided that was a good opportunity to go back to therapy. Um, I found a really good psychiatrist that my friend Lisa, who is now running a paleontology podcast, recommended. What's she like? <laughs> She's a mess. Okay. Um, no, she recommended a great psychiatrist. He was very, very responsible with prescribing me new medication because I had had that quack experience with the fluvoxamin prescription. That just, I think I became very distrustful of physicians after that. Like that doctor prescribed me a huge dose of that drug, like after talking to me for 20 minutes. And it just was a really bad, it was a bad mix of chemicals for me. Um, So this psychiatrist was really great. I started going to him and trying to work on managing my anxiety a little bit better. And that's when he prescribed me Cymbalta. And we started out very cautiously, like on a really small dose. And I would build, you know, build up my tolerance from there. But because it was another SNRI, I was already pretty accustomed to, I think there was a curve with the side effects. Like I had already had the nortriptyline side effects of mostly dry mouth. Um, and so with the Cymbalta, I don't remember having like a rocky onboarding experience. I remember not, not sleeping well for the first week and like waking up really early. You were jacked. I was I remember up. you're somebody who can sleep through anything, on anything, with anything, not mm-hmm. person. You, yeah, you let's clarify need, that. You don't need a lot of comforts to fall asleep. 
and this was keeping you up, which means it's stimulating on some level. It definitely felt stimulating. I actually ended up going off of it because after a year, I think I was on it for just about a year, and after a year, yeah, it made me feel kind of manic, super hyper, crazy chatty. You remember me the first month. Sally would write me tomes via text. I couldn't stop. I looked forward to them. (laughs) I couldn't stop talking. Um, And I had a lot of energy in kind of a manic way. But there was something that felt good about that because I never really been like a downers girl. I don't really love weed. I don't love alcohol. I like feeling energized. I like feeling motivated. Um, And so I remember feeling very competent on Cymbalta. Like I had a lot of energy and things, tasks that maybe would have been like daunting or intimidating without medication suddenly felt a lot easier. Um, Why did you go off of it? So I went off of it because after about a year, I guess I had sort of built up a tolerance to it. There were a few things. One was I had sort of built up a tolerance and I was reverting back to having diarrhea, which I really hadn't had since early 20s living in New York City. So I think there was something about how stimulating it was that made my bowels stimulated also. Mm-hmm. Um, the sexual side effects were really bad. I, I felt numb from south of the border for like a while. Um, so that was a problem. Um, and I was in a relationship at the time. So that was, you know, kind of a bummer for both of us. And do you remember, I would get, like, crazy nausea in the car. Yes. I thought it might be your driving, but then it started happening in, like, on every mode of transportation. Like, on the bus, on, in anyone's car. My mom's driving. Like, I was so motion sensitive, and I don't know why. It's crazy how connected your stomach is to your brain, you know? Yeah. It's unfortunate. So they took you off of it after that? Yeah, I remember going back to the psychiatrist and saying, you know, there were aspects of this drug that I really, really liked, and I was kind of prepared to stay on it if he couldn't think of something else that was worth trying, but he, yeah, he recommended um, clomipramine, which also was good for, like, some OCD, which I'm not sure if Cymbalta targets OCD in the same way. We can check. Um, but Clomips, did you have any time period between when you went off the Cymbalta and when you went on the Clomip? Yeah, I must have taped, you know, he he was a really good, he's a really good doctor. We had like a schedule where I would taper off of the Cymbalta. And then I also was tapering off of the nortriptyline, which I had stayed on the nortriptyline when I was taking the Cymbalta because I was so afraid to go off of nortriptyline since it had, like, changed my life and had made me feel physically healthy in a way that I really hadn't for a couple years. I was so afraid to go off of it. It became, like, a crutch. Um, But the doctor convinced me that if I was going to take clomipramine, I really didn't need the nortriptyline. Like, they had a lot of similar properties and were very similar. Oh, you did have an overlap period where you were taking both for a little bit. Yes. So we, like, came up with a schedule, and I tapered off of the Cymbalta. I tapered off of the nortriptyline, and then I slowly started building up, yeah, to the appropriate dose with clomipramine. 
Do you remember when you went off the Cymbalta, when you were tapering off? Did you start having no energy? I'm trying to remember how I felt. I think I remember with, I don't know if it was from the Cymbalta or the Nortriptyline, but when I was tapering off of it, I remember drooling. Like, I had had such bad dry mouth, or I'd become accustomed to dry mouth from these drugs and not being on them. My mouth was producing so much saliva. Wow. Yeah, and I, I remember feeling like I was constantly swallowing saliva, and it was such a pain. Like you were choking on your own saliva? Yeah, or like I was just, I felt like a big drooler. Yeah, I would wake up like drowning in my own drool. In a pool of drool. Yeah, a drool pool. Um, there probably were other things, like maybe I had diarrhea again, maybe I had some issues sleeping, but nothing that was, nothing that didn't go away pretty quickly. Nothing that was like my experience on the Flavoxamine with the quack doctor where I couldn't get out of bed for like five days and I couldn't sleep and I just had no, my personality went away, which I think that has always, after that experience, my biggest fear was going on a medication that would affect my personality or my sense of humor or. Yeah, you're very expressive. And I remember we have a photo of you from that long Flavoxamine weekend where you look like you have no emotion. Yeah. Nothing's going on. I remember trying to go to work and on, on this drug and getting through the work day was like impossible. Um, I was just, my brain was so cloudy and I couldn't form sentences and I couldn't write emails. And like, normally that stuff is super easy for me to do, especially in marketing and communications. Like that's a big part of what I have to do. And I remember it just, I could not speak to people. Like my brain just felt so fogged. Um, and what was your question? <laughs> oh, I don't think I had a question. We, I think we were just commenting. Yeah. On, yeah. I, so, oh, yeah, I guess my point was just that I was really nervous to go back on medication after that because I was so afraid. I had never suffered side effects that affected my personality. And I think that's why now I've realized SSRIs are not a good mix for me, but SNRIs, for whatever reason, like... I can handle some dry mouth. I can handle a few nights or days of bad sleep. But as long as I feel like myself and I can it's communicate. It's so funny because SSRIs are the ones that are the newest form of antidepressant and they're the ones that are most commonly prescribed. You hear everybody's on Lexapro or Prozac, but you don't hear as many people who are on nortriptyline or amitriptyline or clomipramine. I love the old school drugs. That's like what works with my with my body and brain chemistry, I guess. But, you know, everyone's different. I remember with Flavoxamine when I called the quack doctor and was like, this is my fifth day on this drug and I don't think I can do this for another day. And I was like going through all the symptoms and he was like, okay, you're experiencing like symptoms that 10% of people who take it, like it was a small percent of people that react to it in a really negative way. And I was falling into that category. I wonder if you stayed on it, if you would have continued to have it, but it was so debilitating. It was too, yeah, I couldn't even, I mean, I remember four or five days felt like two months. Like I couldn't, I couldn't give it a chance beyond that. So on the clomipramine, what have you noticed specifically that it helps you out with? Um, let's see. I think it 
overall day to day feels pretty similar to the Cymbalta. Like, I think the biggest thing is I can, without medication, it's easy for me to feel defeated by things or tasks or projects or challenges. And on medication, I feel much more in control. Like I know I can take this on. It won't stress me out in a really, yeah, debilitating way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, well, you've, you've, you've known me for a long time. Do you see differences tangibly? So I only knew you for a brief period of time in college when you weren't taking anything and you always seemed competent and calm and collected. I mean, as I've gotten to know you more, I know that you do have some nervous OCD habits, but honestly, your personality hasn't changed in any way that I can notice. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know how the drugs have helped you. And I, I feel like you're kind of the same as I've always known you. I think I used to be a little bit more a victim of, I don't know if it was like hormones or mood swings or yeah, I don't know. I think I was a little bit more a victim of my emotions. And on this medication, I feel very in control of my emotions. Like, I'm not going to psych myself out. I'm not going to tell myself I can't do this. You know, those were like thought patterns that were easy for me to experience without medication. Um, and now, I don't know. I think overall, like I talked about nortriptyline making me feel physically healthier and stronger on Clomipramine, I feel mentally stronger and also physically stronger. Do you think if you didn't have therapy and if you hadn't experienced life, you wouldn't be mentally stronger on your own? I don't know. I definitely wonder that. I think, like, you know, you're going to get probably optimal results if you're taking medication that was prescribed to you by, by a safe, smart doctor and then take the meds in conjunction with going to therapy. And so that's what I've been doing. And I think you learn techniques in therapy, like ways to retrain your brain and like redirect negative thoughts. And I think that coupled with the medication has made me a lot mentally stronger. What are your triggers? Um, oh my God, I probably have so many. Ask my ex-boyfriend. He can give you like a laundry list. He's biased. He's a little biased. Um, it usually has to do with space and feeling out of control over space. Like, I'm pretty meticulous about the way I live in my apartment and, you know, the bathroom's always super clean. The kitchen's usually super clean. I like my bed and my sheets to be pretty clean. Um, and, I, you know, I feel obviously very in control of the way I live in my apartment. But occasionally if I'm, like, traveling... Like, I'm trying to get, think of a specific example. Um, this ex-boyfriend and I had traveled to Morocco. We were staying in beautiful places. But I remember, I think, the second Riyadh or, like, boutique hotel that we were staying at, I opened my suitcase, and there was a dead cockroach in it. And that really, like, threw me for a loop. And even though we had had, like, a great day in Marrakesh, like, it was hard for me to get over the fact that this dead cockroach had like infiltrated your belongings. yeah and was like yeah. touching all my stuff and I still had like a week of the trip left and I wasn't going to be able to do a laundry very rude, bug. Very rude. Oh, oh there's my speaking alarm. of pills um that then I stressed him out because I was stressed out um I have to say for for all the 
things that were wrong with that relationship, something that this partner did grow to do really well was like identify when I was starting to go into a spiral and pull me out of it. Like, especially once we lived together, he, he could tell like if I was starting to feel out of control over the environment or I felt overwhelmed by like how much, you know, if I was starting to like manically Lysol surfaces, he would be like, okay, it's time to go for a walk. Like, let's get a change of scenery. Were you on Clamip on the Morocco trip? No. So that trip was before, so that was before we had broken up and it was actually the breakup after that trip is when I started going to the psychiatrist in DC. And that's when I was prescribed the Cymbalta. Okay. So you were still on nortriptyline. Still on nortriptyline. Really low dose. I think, I think one thing that people in general need to remember with all these drugs is they don't fix whatever the problem is. They make it more manageable, but they won't make the behavior go away completely. Yes. Yeah. There is no magic pill. I've definitely learned that. I'll never not think about controlling my space or, yeah, I mean, I'll probably always struggle a little bit with rumination over certain thoughts, but coupled with therapy, it's become a lot easier to redirect my thoughts, especially if they're taking me in like a self-sabotaging direction. When did you first notice you even had this tendency to go down wormholes and like be obsessive? Um, not early enough. That's for sure. Um, that's a good question. I, I mean, I definitely, this is more circumstantial, but it obviously didn't work well given my personality and my brain chemistry. But after my, my first breakup with my college boyfriend, when I was in living in Manhattan and when I had started going to the first psychiatrist I had ever been to and getting prescribed the nortriptyline. Who sounds awesome, by the way. He's amazing. Um, Psychiatrists need to be more spiritual. Yeah, shout out to Dr. Del Tito. I think he's in New York or Connecticut somewhere. He's like one of the best doctors, one of the smartest men I think I've probably ever met. Um, But yeah, it was really hard for me to move on from that breakup. He was like my first love and a big part of my identity. And I didn't I was, like, in my early 20s. I hated my career. Like, I had to figure out who I was. And um, and that wouldn't have happened if, if it weren't for that breakup. Like, I restarted a whole new life in D.C. and made all new friends and a new career and, like, am so much better for it. But I think going through that breakup, that's when I realized, like, I'm having a, a much harder time moving on from this and letting go of it than I think is probably normal. It's crazy how life experiences can trigger you more than anything. Then they change you more than anything, more than a drug can ever change you. I think what happened to you after that breakup is you made a lot of life decisions that were kind of needed, but wouldn't have done them without that. Yeah, you definitely have to like sort of hit rock bottom to take a big risk. And yeah, I was for better or worse, although it totally ended up being for the best, I was able to take a big risk and like move to a new city, start a new job and just totally like reinvent myself, find myself. And it ended up being great. Like, I'm so happy that I I did that. And I look back at that time in my life and I'm like, God, New York City was not a healthy environment for me to be in. And I spent two years there, like two long years that 
could have been like, they were formative years of my twenties. And yeah, I kind of wish there were things I wish I had figured out sooner, but at the end of the day, like you, you get to where you need to be and all the bad shit that happens to you ends up just making you like really fucking strong. You're really strong. Oh, thank you. Very strong, silly. You've really done a lot in your life. Lizzie, that is so not true and not true at all. Um, I just wanted to pivot really quickly back to Clemip. Mm-hmm. I, um, I wanted to tell you that clomipramine is structurally similar to phenothiazine, which is an antipsychotic, but that's used for nausea, vomiting, and hiccups. Oh, interesting. Isn't the hiccups part very interesting? That is interesting. I wonder if that has to do with like indigestion or something I don't really know I don't know but spasming I have noticed that ever since I started trazodone which is an antidepressant but I use it to sleep my esophagus feels like it spasms more and like Hmm. I'm I'm like I don't know I feel like I have trapped air that's a little top of my esophagus could be a little scary and unpleasant when you're trying to fall asleep well, I, it doesn't happen while I'm falling asleep. It builds up in my system. So I'm just always, you know, burping. Perfect. It me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drugs can have, like, some of the weirdest side effects. Like, what else? Do, I mean, I guess dry mouth was the biggest thing that I had to adapt to. Um, but dryness in general. These pills yeah. can make you dry everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that, you know... Yeah, what are some other, like, weird side effects? I don't know. Oh, night sweats. Yes. Clomipramine actually um, somehow, like, reduces the amount you sweat. I don't even understand how it does that, which is interesting because I I guess I just thought I wasn't a big sweater, but now it's hard to know because this medication apparently kind of, like, represses your sweat glands or something, but But if I... it makes you sweat more at night? If I skip it, if I screw up the medication, this can happen too with, like, the drooling and, like, producing too much saliva. If I really mess up the medication, like, skip a couple doses or just get off schedule, yeah, I can wake up, like, soaking wet. It's like all of the excess water is oozing out of your pores. It's wild. and From having been suppressed. Yeah, it's crazy. And I never had night sweats ever. Like, again, I don't really sweat a lot, just in general. And it is the weirdest sensation to, like, wake up in the middle of the night because you are soaking wet and then, like, shivering and your clothes are, like, matted to you, but you are too tired to, like, move and do anything about it. Anyways... Yeah, the night sweats can be unpleasant and, like, will rear their head from time to time. Um, How diligent are you about taking your meds at the same time? Not very. Yeah, not very. Um, I take one pill in the morning, one pill at night, and I would say during the work week, it's a lot easier to stick to a schedule, obviously, and be more regimented and, you know, I get up, I have a coffee, take the morning pill, and then usually take the nighttime pill around bedtime. But on the weekends, my schedule gets all off. And especially now that we're in quarantine with coronavirus running, going around. Yeah, like it's really hard for me to be on a schedule. One thing that I found interesting when I was reading about Clomip is that in non-depressed people, Clomip 
supposedly doesn't affect mood or arousal, but it causes major sedation. Mm. And in depressed people, it exerts a positive effect on mood. Uh, do you feel like you've been heavily sedated by this drug? No, which is why I like it. I'm, again, like I mentioned earlier, I really do not like feeling depressed as far as feeling like unmotivated or fatigued. Like I have a very low tolerance to go through life tired. Me too. Um, I can't do it. And so, yeah, this medication works for me because I'm not quite as manic as I was on the um, Cymbalta. That was a little over the top, but I have... I think it's probably given me more energy because it's alleviating some of that anxiety that was making me feel fatigued um, or exhausted emotionally or physically. Um, so no, I don't. I don't feel that way. Okay. I don't feel sedated. Um, that probably wouldn't work for me. Flavoxamine, I found obviously extremely sedating. Are you a cat? It's yes. I'm. I'm actually a poodle. Okay. I'm yeah. a cat. You're a cat. Uh, you haven't had any enuresis, which is involuntary urinating. Oh, um, well, I guess I don't want to lie and tell you that that hasn't happened ever, (laughs) but never overnight with some of the really severe night sweat nights. I did think that I had wet myself because that's how sweaty I was. And it was like literally beads of sweat dripping down my legs. And so I, I remember like a couple times thinking that maybe I had peed myself, which would have been very unusual because um, I've never done that overnight or in bed. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to attribute it to if it's medication related, but my bladder can get a little spastic. It's been known to do that. Has it been under control lately? It goes in waves and I like can't identify the trend. I mean, I definitely know if I'm out drinking beer, then, you know, I might want to like diaper up or anything stimulating seems like it irritates your your nethers a little bit it's um it's could be a sad reality for my nethers yeah but you're I don't a coffee know. drinker big coffee drinker very much a fan of caffeine and yeah it's usually like do you you remember your 30th birthday we were at like the salty wet dog which is this outdoor bar it's the kkk it's the okay it's the kk i think (laughs) college (laughs) club um yeah no it's pretty yuppie and preppy but it's not all white people it's u street um but we were there for your birthday yeah and i was cutting loose having some drinks it was a cool summer night and the there was only one bathroom at this bar the line was super long and I just totally wet my jeans and they were they were really wet and I had to leave the party early and go take a shower that night. You have been able to have fun with wet jeans before though. It's true. Yes. I think we know you might be referring to my my bladder story. I'm not even referring to anything. Oh, I just okay, just like in general. <laughs> feel like I've seen it and it's been fine. I'm a little unfazed by it because I've had a few really embarrassing pee stories and episodes like your 30th birthday party where I had just like really publicly and visibly wet my jeans in front of a massive group of, of yuppie people our age at a bar. So now I think I'm a little bit unfazed by it. You handle it with grace. Thank you. <laughs> I try to. Okay, my last question for you, Sel, is... Do you recommend Clamip? 
I do. Of course, I'm not a doctor, and I everybody's brain is so different and is wired so differently. Or cats. I think for poodles, for <laughs> for neurotic poodles that grew up with like with with a Jewish helicopter mothering. Um, Shout out to Myra. Yeah. No, I, in all seriousness, I, I, it's been amazing for me. Um, I think if you're someone who is prone to anxiety or has like kind of a low tolerance for anxiety, maybe has some like rumination and obsessive behavioral patterns or thought patterns. Um, yeah, it's something you should ask a trusted physician about. Thank you. That was very informative. (laughs) And I will leave you on this last quote. Self-love, my liege, is not so vile a sin as self-neglecting. So true. Bye. Bye.